All right, so we're going to continue on uh, in Matthew chapter 5. So we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we really felt we wanted to spend some time um, looking at as far as what, what does Jesus teach us to do? How does he teach us to act? Who does he teach us to be um, as believers, as followers of him, as his disciples? And so the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 um, that's the longest uninterrupted teaching of Jesus in the whole Bible. And so we felt like we wanted to kind of really dig, dig in uh, and spend some time going through um, that Sermon on the Mount. And so today we're looking at um, verses 17 through 20. So Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Um, I'll be in the ESV if you look at the Bible on your phone. If you don't have a Bible, um, we have some on the back table. That's our free gift to you. Take with you. You know, use today, if you don't have one at home, take it with you and use it there. Um, so as we look at this, what we're really going to examine and look at today is how does Christ interact with the law? How does Christ interact with the law? So a lot of times when we think of the law, we think of the Ten Commandments. So we think of very specifically the law of the Old Testament. So those, those do's and don'ts that... God spells out in the Old Testament for, to, for us to follow. And we'll kind of talk a little bit about that. But really, we kind of have to broaden our look when we think of the law. And so a lot of times when we see it in Scripture, it will be mentioned like it is today, where it will say the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets. And so a lot of times when Jesus is talking about the law, he's not talking about the specific commandments but he's talking about what they called the Torah. And that's the first five books of the Old Testament for us. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy for us. So when he says law, he's talking about those first five books of the Old Testament. And then he'll say, and the prophets. So that encompasses not just the, the books of the prophets, but that encompasses the other books of history. So essentially when Jesus says the law and the prophets... He's talking about all the written history of the Israelites from Genesis up until about 400 years before Jesus came into existence and, and walked with, with us. And so we're going to kind of get into today exactly what Jesus is referring to. Um, so verse 17, so this is Jesus teaching. He says, do not, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. But to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. All right, so we have to kind of go back and look at and remember what is the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount? This, this, what's, the, what's the purpose of this teaching that Jesus is giving? So remember, the two main things that we get from it is, is one, it reveals the character of Christ. So this is a, a revelation. This is revealing to us who Christ is, really who God is to us who want to follow and believe in him. The second thing is right before Jesus comes to give the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about he has come 
to establish his kingdom. All right, so the Sermon on the Mount gives us a picture of the character of Christ, who Jesus really is, and then what his kingdom is going to look like. Right? What is a picture of his kingdom? What, his, what does he intend to do? So remember, the Israelites that he was talking to would have this picture of the Messiah who was going to come overthrow the Roman rule that was on them and establish them as a, a national power again. That's what they were looking for in the Messiah. So when they heard Jesus say that he'd come to establish the kingdom, they, they really felt that was a literal Jesus come to establish their land, their rule, and their order in the physical world. And so what we see Jesus do time and time again through the Sermon on the Mount is he begins to turn that on its head and he takes what was spiritual real, or what was physical realities and he reverts them back to spiritual realities. And so in the Old Testament, the idea was that God would so richly bless the Israelites. He would give them land, he would give them power, that the nations of the world would look at them and go, they must serve the one true God. Right? In the New Testament, Jesus comes not to return physical power, but to bring a spiritual power to them. Right? To bless them so much that everyone would look up and say, they must follow the one true God. And so as we look at this, remember we're talking about that transition from the physical into the spiritual. And so <laughs> what do we mean when we say that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, but he came to fulfill them? So really to kind of understand this, we have to understand really what he's talking about when he says the law and the prophets. Now I, can, I could teach you this, but it would take me about an hour um, to do what the Bible Project does in five minutes. So we're going to watch a quick video from the Bible Project because those guys explain it so well um, that it's going to save me about an hour so I can get on to the rest of this and not have to, to drudge through this. What I want us to see as far as when he talks about fulfilling the law and the prophets, I think the main thing for us to really understand, not just this section, but to really understand the whole Sermon on the Mount is we have to understand the purpose of the law in the Old Testament. And so as the video showed, we can look at Matthew 22. In Matthew 22, Jesus says this. It says, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. So in other words, Jesus has just shut down the religious leaders of the day. And so they questioned him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So they're trying to trip him up. And Jesus responds and says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So basically what Jesus is saying is the whole force and movement of the law in the Old Testament. So remember, this is the law that's designed to set Israel apart from everybody else so that they would, like we talked about last week, they would be that city on a hill, is this, that they were supposed to love God and love others. And if they would do that perfectly, they would be that city on a hill. Now the problem comes in the fact that we are not able to do that perfectly. And if we had any doubt, 
if you hang with us over the next month or two, as Jesus gets further into the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to hear more and more of, you've heard it said, don't murder, but I say don't be angry. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I say don't lust in your heart. All right? We're going to hear time and time again that God's standard goes so much further beyond the surface level that it goes into the very intentions of our heart. So if we could ever hope to fulfill the law, if we could ever hope to fully love God and fully love one another, we cannot do it on our own. We're not perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to falter. We're going to struggle. And so this is the very essence of sin, is that we were created with perfect intentions by a perfect God. So God fully knit us to get together. Um, we call this the Imago Dei. In other words, all of us were created with the image of God inside of us. So all of us were created for that perfect intent. But through the garden, through our, our fall, in other words, our sin separates us from that perfect intent. So because I struggle, because I don't love God perfectly in my heart, because I don't love other people perfectly in my heart, because I revert to selfishness far too often, I, I don't have that perfection that allows an unbroken relationship with God. So what did he do? It says he sent Jesus. So Jesus embodies this perfectly. We're going to see this in the Sermon on the Mount. We saw this in the Beatitudes. We saw that character of Jesus, that he is perfect. So Jesus led a completely sinless life. And then on the cross, he took the punishment that I deserved. So for my shortcomings, my failures, I deserve separation from God. But on the cross... Jesus took my failures upon himself, and he died on the cross. He paid the cost. He paid my fines. He took my punishment for me. So it says that when he did that, once he, once he died, once he resurrected, he went back to heaven, went back to the Father, and he's sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for us. So in other words... God looks down. He no longer sees this image of Paul that is broken, that is separated from him, that is imperfect. But he sees me through the lens of Christ. So when he sees my imperfection, when he looks on that imperfection, he sees Christ's perfection. So Christ very literally took my place and paid my penalty. Now, Jesus said that he was doing that not just so that we could have that relationship with God and we could eventually get into heaven, but Jesus says in John that he goes to prepare a place for us, and while he does that, he's going to send us a helper. So he sends us the Holy Spirit. So in Jeremiah 31, and this is reflected again in the New Testament in Hebrews, but the prophet Jeremiah said this in chapter Jeremiah 31. He says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. So that word covenant again, that's agreement. That new agreement with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and brought them out of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. So that's the law. So he says, I'm going to make a new covenant, and it's not going to be based on the law because they couldn't keep the law. 
For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and, and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. For the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive them their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So God didn't simply just soften our hearts on the cross. But he sent us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Right? So that when we live, when we move and breathe, I have a brand new heart that is led and guided by the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus himself. So I have him with me all the time so that I can hope to move more towards that love God and love others. So that's the story of the law and the prophets. And so now, now that we kind of have that base understanding of what we're talking about when we say the, the law and the prophets, we can, we can dig a little deeper when we want to know, okay, what is Jesus fully saying here? Because it is absolutely amazing when we get into it. It says, so verse 17 and 18, uh, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. So that abolish literally means to wipe away, to disintegrate, to do away with. Right? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. All right, so what's he talking about here? So he says, the law and the prophets, I want us to think about that old covenant. That old covenant that God made with Israel, that if, if, if they would follow the law, if they would follow those 613 rules that he wrote out, that he would be their God and he would bless them. All right, but what, what do we know from, from, from the story of the Bible, from the little video? Were they ever really able to follow those laws? No, they broke them. Every time they got laws, they turned around and broke them. Man, and it's that, that story of Moses going up on the mountain to get, the, to get those commandments is amazing because while he was getting them, they were already breaking them. He comes down to find them worshiping an idol that they made of a golden cow. So they couldn't even take a month away from Moses without worshiping another god. And so because of that brokenness inside of them, right, because of that, all right, he, he had to give them the law. So Jesus is saying, I'm not doing away with the old covenant. All right? But he is going to complete the old covenant. So a few things. I, I want you to see exactly how, how much he says he's not doing away with it. So in verse 18, when he says um, that I'm not going to do away with an iota or a dot. Um, so I think like maybe you've heard it before, like uh, every jot and tittle. Um, and so that's where this comes from. That's actually the language in the King James is jot and tittle. So what is that dot and what, is that I, what does that mean? Um, so basically, those are parts of the Hebrew uh, um, ABCs, basically. The lettering, yeah, alphabet, thank you. I can remember <laughs> that. But yeah, so that's parts of the Hebrew alphabet. So we're not even talking about a whole letter. So for us, it would be akin to say, I'm not going to remove a dot over an I. I'm not going to remove the cross from a T. All right, so that's the same way we would say it today. So Jesus is saying, I'm not removing any of it. But he says, I have come to fulfill the law. So what does that word fulfill mean? 
Um, in the Greek, that word is plereo, and it means to complete. It means to complete. Um, the root word that it comes from actually means to perfect. To perfect. And so I want us to think of it this way. What Jesus says is, I'm not doing away with the old covenant, but I come to perfectly complete the old covenant. All right? So Jesus comes and he perfectly completes the old covenant, which means, do we need to submit to the old covenant anymore? No, because it's already been completed perfectly in Jesus Christ. All right? So they weren't able to fully live the old covenant anyway, so Jesus came and through his death, through his life, burial, life, death, and resurrection, he was able to complete that old covenant so that we have that new covenant with God so that we're able to fully walk with him and fully live with him. So he says, I didn't come to do away with it. I came to complete it. I came to, to make it perfect. So as we see here, as we look to the Old Testament, how are we supposed to treat the Old Testament? So he says, I'm not doing away with the Old Testament. It's going to be the grounds in which the new covenant is formed. So how are we supposed to approach the Old Testament? So there's a few ways. So one, we look to the Old Testament not as laws to follow, but as laws that reveal the heart and intent of God. So they reveal to us more of the picture of who God is. So I've heard it this way. Um, that as we look to, in fact, Hebrews says that the old covenant is a shadow of what was to come in Christ. In other words, as we look back at the Old Testament as the old covenant, we get a picture of what Jesus has come to do and what he's come to do and complete. And so we saw this. Once again, when we look at scripture, there's two main rules when we interpret scripture. When we try to look at, at the Bible and go, what does this mean? Right, so the first rule is that all scripture happens in context. In other words, we have to understand what's originally going on. We can't just pull a verse and look at it just all by itself and get the correct meaning. So many times when we do that, we twist the meaning of scripture. And two, where scripture is unclear, we have to let the Bible interpret the Bible. In other words, if there's something I don't understand in scripture, something that seems to contradict then I'm just not seeing the full enough picture yet in the word. And I need to look for clues in the rest of the Bible to what that passage means. So in other words, when I'm trying to understand a verse, I'm going to look in the Bible before I'm going to go look to another book or somewhere else to try to understand what it means. And so when we look at this, the first thing is, why does Jesus need to come out and say, I'm not going to abolish the law? That's kind of a weird thing to have to come out and say. For us, that doesn't fully make sense but remember, it happened in context. So Jesus is speaking to a group of Israelites. There's Pharisees and Sadducees in the group that he's speaking to. So Pharisees, I want you to think of as the religious leaders. All right, Sadducees were the political leaders. All right, so the, the Pharisees and Sadducees. So that's the religious leaders. So that would be like the big, huge pastors that know everything. That's the Pharisees. Um, Sadducees um, were the, the lawyers of the day. But they weren't lawyers like for us, law has to do with our constitution and our laws. The, the Sadducees dealt with the law of the Old Testament only. 
Right? So a lot of times you'd have the Pharisees and Sadducees would disagree, but they were considered the experts on who God was and what the law was. So as Jesus speaks to them, as he looks at them, and as, he, as he's going through that, part of the accusations thrown against Jesus, remember, well, the very first week we looked at the Sermon on the Mount, we looked at the very end, and the very end it talks about in chapter 7 that they were blown away because they'd never seen anybody teach with the authority Jesus taught with. So in other words, Jesus would come out and say, you've heard it said. So the Old Testament, the Old Covenant says this, but I also say this. So in other words, he was adding to the law. He was adding to the scriptures. Now that's, that's a bold claim. So that's, that's something we don't have the ability to do. So when I teach or when someone prophesies, we're called to check that against scripture. Because scripture is the authority. So in other words, if I say I'm a prophet and my prophecy goes against the word of God, then you know I'm not right. I'm not able to add to the word. It is, it is complete. This is the judge that we have. This is the measuring stick that we have. Right? But Jesus comes out and says, I'm going to add to it. So he spoke with an authority they didn't understand. They, they didn't know. So he was revealing to them that he was the Messiah. And so as we look at this, that's why he says, I haven't come to do away with it. He's trying to, he's trying to make sure they understand. He's not come to throw out the old covenant. He's come to form a new one. All right, so when we understand that, it reveals this, this little bit of extra to us. Right? Because it's from the old covenant that we see the birth of the new covenant. All right, so this next, 19 and 20. It says, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does this mean? Does this mean we need to follow all the rules of the Old Testament? So I need to make sure... So some of the rules of the Old Testament, the law, um, I'm not allowed to have clothes made out of more than one kind of fabric. So those cotton polyester blends, we have to throw them out. Um, I, I'm not allowed to trim my beard, so I'm already in trouble. Um, I, I, there's certain times I'm allowed to, to cut my hair. And, and so they get really what we would call legalistic. And so do we have to go back and follow all the laws of the Old Testament? Because Jesus just said, all right, that we're not doing away with them. Now, for this, once again, when we kind of look into the Greek, I think we understand more of what he's talking about. Okay? So when we look into the Greek, that word relax. So therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments. All right, that Greek is, is lyo, and that means to annul. All right, so if you got married and then you had that marriage annulled, you would go before the judge, and it's not like a divorce, but annulment is like that marriage never happened. Um, so literally it means to loose a tie. All right, so marriage, that's like a knot we're tying together. So annulment would mean I would go untie that knot completely as if that knot was never together in the first place. All right, so what Jesus is saying here, what Jesus is saying is we are not wiping away the old covenant as if it never happened. Right, we're not wiping away the old covenant as if it never happened. 
So in church, we, we kind of have a danger. So we can, I talk a lot about the pendulum swings in church. So sometimes we swing really far this way, and in correction, we swing really far this way, and a lot of times it's right in the middle that really we need to be. All right, so a lot of times you have churches kind of swing one or two ways. Either we really focus on the laws of the Old Testament and we need to follow them, um, so I can't eat bacon, and I've got to do all this thing and this thing and this thing. Or we go, the Old Testament has no value to us. We just want to focus on Jesus, and we only study the New Testament. So what Jesus is saying is we're not to wipe away the Old Covenant as if it never happened. It still has value to us. Because it's from that Old Covenant that the New Covenant comes. So remember back to our video. When Jesus comes to fulfill the law, he doesn't do away with the law of the prophets. But he completes it. He perfects it. And that perfection gives us an entrance into that relationship. So this is still one story. God created us perfect because he wanted a relationship with us. We fall and separated ourselves from God. And so the story of the Old Testament is God trying to, through the Israelites, bring a people back to him. Make them perfect so he could dwell with them. Well, it turns out we didn't do that so well. We couldn't keep the law. So he sends Jesus, which is God in the flesh, to pay our penalty of breaking the law so that we can be reconciled to him. All right? So that now we are able to have that righteousness, that right relationship with God. So one story. One story. So it began in the old covenant. Jesus completes in the new covenant with us. So now we're not under the old covenant anymore. Like Michelle read in Ephesians. We're not under the old covenant. We're under the new covenant. But we still don't do away with that. Why? Because if we did away with the old covenant, then Jesus completes nothing and is no benefit to us. So when we understand the new covenant, I think we understand the old covenant in this way. So Jesus comes to fulfill the old covenant. So when I accept his salvation, when I say Jesus is my savior, and I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead and he is my Lord. And I'm, as we, as we talk about in kind of in church language, and I'm covered with the blood of Jesus. In other words, he is sacrificed for me. When I do that, I accept his completion of the old covenant. So it's, it's, it's as if I completed the old covenant. So it's like I'm taking a really, really hard test. And I know I'm going to fail. I didn't know a thing on it. I'm just guessing. At the end, I'm just doing C, 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 C. So at least I can get a 25. All right. So it's as if I'm doing that, and right before I turn it in, Jesus goes, don't turn that in. <coughs> You're going to fail. Here, I filled it out for you. Turn that one in instead. All right. So I get his completion of the law. I get his perfection. All right. So as I live and walk, I am not saved by my goodness. In other words, I didn't earn my salvation. I can't be good enough. That's the system of the law. I could be good enough. I could be perfect enough to earn the love of Jesus. But I, I, I can't do that. I can't be that perfect. So I am saved, what Jesus says, by grace through faith. In other words, when I believe and put my faith, put my belief, put my trust in God, in Jesus Christ, in his sacrifice, then I, I am extended grace. I am given something I don't deserve. All right, I'm extended grace so that I can have right relationship with God the Father. And so 
I really want us to see kind of kind of wrapping all that up. What this little section is going to do is it's going to set up uh, really the next five, six weeks we're going to be um, in the Sermon on the Mount is going to be set up by this scripture. So when Jesus talks about getting angry or when he talks about lust or when he talks about taking an oath, all right, this is all going back to this idea right here that Jesus completed the law. And that really when we understand what that completion of the law is, it's not a visual checklist of do's and don'ts, but it's our heart. It's our heart. So what I want us to see from this is God's concern wasn't could we follow the rules. God's concern was did we love him? Did we love others? And it's through the cross of Christ that we're able to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, we have that example. So, so real quick before we go on to our, our next few weeks in the Sermon on the Mount, I want to kind of recap. All right, so the Sermon on the Mount. So we start with this, you know, Jesus saying, let me tell you about the kingdom. In the Beatitudes, we see it's the character of Jesus, all right, that it's about the character of Jesus and that when we have that character of Jesus, it's not something that should be hidden. It's something that's meant to be displayed so we can be an example to the rest of the world. Our love for one another should be an example to the rest of the world. Like the kid's verse, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. We are meant to be that city on a hill. All right, so it's the character of Jesus to impact the world, so don't hide it, and that the kingdom operates off the new covenant, not the removal of the old, but through the completion of the old, we have the birth of the new. That if I believe in Jesus, I have everlasting life. If I take him as my Savior, he forgives my sins, removes them from me, remembers them no more, and he takes my heart of stone, all right, and he puts his heart in me so that I can follow his laws. Not, not because of my goodness, but because I have his heart. All right, y'all stand to your feet. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we praise you and we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace, Father. God, I thank you that, that even though I couldn't keep your law, that you've given me grace through Jesus. You've given me something I don't deserve in righteousness, in a right relationship with you. Father, I thank you that you've given me mercy, that you, you didn't give me punishment, which I deserve for breaking your law. But instead, you give me love. God, I, I thank you that you lived as an example for us. Father, I just pray that as a church that you would help us follow that example set with your new covenant love, Father, that we would love you well. We would love you with all of our hearts, with everything that we are, Father, and that we would love others. Father, I just pray that you would continue to give us opportunities um, to really show and model that love with everyone that we come across. Father, I'm just absolutely struck by your salvation. Father, that even though we are sinners, even though we're not perfect, that you died for us, Father. That you gave yourself so that we could be returned to you. So, Father, I thank you for that. God, I, I just pray that, 
that if there's anyone here that hasn't fully accepted that, um, God, I just thank you for your Holy Spirit. I just pray that you would work on their hearts and you reveal to them your love, your mercy, your kindness through Jesus. God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.